1: Why do you lock yourself up in these chains? No one can change your life except for you. Don't ever let anyone step all over you. Just open your heart and your mind. It's really fair to feel this way.
2: Welcome to OCG Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show. Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach.
3: Welcome, welcome folks, to another episode of Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer, co-host, and engineer, Mr. Chris Morales. Yes, indeed. 646-564-9909 is the number. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in to speak to us. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our show website. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. And if you don't have access to the Internet and you just want to listen via the call in line, by all means. Make it happen. Do so. So hopefully we'll make it through the show. We're sitting in the studio bunker uh, being pummeled. Periodically by wind, rain, and hurricane, gale, force, uh, whatever is going on out there. So hopefully our, our wires and connections are uh, holding on for dear life.
4: Yes, please. We don't need and to you, go back to that issue in and 2016. If, and
3: if you hear noise in the background, uh, we're being fired upon. It's, that's the weather. So we're getting much needed uh, rain here in Northern California so we'll deal with it we'll take it we'll accept it so sir uh let's uh let's do a brief recap okay i'm too miserable to do a recap <laughs> still recovering from the uh the the unforeseen the unimaginable the unpredicted it can't happen Trifecta. So why don't you? Why don't we just skip the recap and go right into?
4: Oh, absolutely. So we can Boom. So why don't you tell us and the audience about the trifecta? Although I believe. You've explained this a couple of times, but for those folks who don't understand how your loyalties lie in two different areas, which adds to the misery when they're all failing.
3: Obviously, being a New Yorker, (laughs) I root for the New York Giants and the New York Jets. I'm also a Cowboy fan, and it's the first team that I started watching on TV. I've been a fan since the mid-70s, call it, mid-early 70s. And when all three of them fail to make the playoffs, it is nothing but misery. Yes. And then once the misery fades, and it's still early, uh, you're forced to then, with whomever's left in the playoffs, find a team that you might want to hang your hat on and root for and see if they can uh, do some damage. I haven't made my pick yet from either Side AFC or NFC, but I'll make my pick before Saturday, obviously.
4: And you've got teams in both
3: conferences.
4: Do you generally root for the NFC to win the Super Bowl because you have two, two dogs in that race, or will you root for the AFC? Does it
3: not matter to you? Uh, generally speaking, I'm an NFC guy. Yeah, me as well. Um, so my pick is probably going to be an NFC team. Okay. So
4: All right. I'll well, deal
3: I'll deal with my feelings appropriately and uh shake it off. The hundred and twenty uh something hundred and twenty eight hour rule applies, I think.
4: All right. All right.
3: <laughs> for football.
4: Okay. Hundred and okay, so yeah. You got some you got some time there. Mm-hmm. You got some time there. Um for me the misery was not as harsh or strong uh, because I only have one dog in the race and we have been limping up the rear of that race for most of the season so this was inevitable Uh, one thing I do like is that we've gotten rid of the coach although I don't think it's entirely his fault he was the fall man I do not like the fact that we've kept the general manager uh, but it is what it is. We've got a we've got a high draft pick. Would have been higher if we didn't care so much in overtime to give it everything we got to block the field goal. That would have given us a higher pick, but what are you going to do?
3: What what is your pick and what would it have been?
4: It's not too bad, thankfully. Our pick is 7. It would have been 5. Okay. So, all right. Uh, And just real briefly, before we move on, your thoughts about Mr. Coughlin retiring. Great coach, been with New York for many, many years.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: He resigns, which I think is honest. I don't know if you know there's some debate out there whether or not he would have been fired if he didn't resign and they wanted to give him the respect of being able to say he resigned. Other people say no. they They probably would have kept him had he expressed interest in wanting to stay, but he chose to resign. It was that time. I
3: believe the resignation. I don't believe it was a phony,
4: a forced resignation. A forced
3: resignation. I do as I well. believe he thought it was time after 12 years. And I agree with what I've seen in writing that when all is said and done and time moves on a little bit, all that's going to be remembered is the two Super Bowls. Not the crazy ways in which they've lost, the crazy seasons. You know, with like six straight losses to close out the year and, you know, all of right. that craziness of having to miss the playoffs in like six years out of the last seven, mm-hmm. who knows. It's the two Super Bowls and the fact that they were both against the hated Patriots. That's, that's exactly right.
4: Yeah, that's all I'll remember.
3: One, one to ruin their uh, perfect season and the other just uh, just icing on the cake.
4: Yes. Yeah, no, that's definitely what I'll remember. And... You know, not being from New York. And or can being I just a,
3: say, and that should be very important to Bay Area 49er fans, because by planting those two losses on Tom Brady's record, in yeah, my mind, yeah, the, the it, debate keeps, with Joe Montana, it keeps Joe Montana
4: on clear. top
3: because he is unblemished.
4: I completely agree. Okay. And... um Although I'm not, my friends from here are not necessarily New York Giants I will
3: edit that out of the recording the podcast, by the (laughs) way, what I just said.
4: You can bet that we were all Giants fans when they were playing against the Patriots at the Super Bowl because of that exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we basked in the glory of the Giants, as Michael Strahan once said, stomping out the undefeated Patriots. 18-1, baby. That's right. (laughs) That is right. And uh, you can go ahead. I am looking to answer your question about, mm, no, the Jets actually don't draft until number 20. Darn it. So they're, they're down. the like, right.
3: Giants number 10. All right. So there you have it. All right. Let's go to our topic. This is a very interesting topic. No free lunch. The reason I term it as interesting is because even upon my entry as a resident into Daytop, no free lunch, in whatever many fashions that you can say it, because you know this saying has other ways that it's communicated.
4: Right, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah,
3: literally, figuratively, metaphorically, you got it. Any any way there's so many ways that it's communicated to you other than just those three words? Right. Um and the way that it was emph- emphasized was even with the very smallest things. Now, let's preface all of this with that a lot of these things have changed. This is dating back twenty five years ago. but let's just to give an example you go and you go into treatment and you you want to write home to communicate with your family right? Well, a pencil is required or a pen that's right. you have to earn it
4: That's
3: right. Paper is required you have to earn it an envelope is required <laughs> you got to earn it a stamp, a stamp is required stamp, you yep. got to earn it now they have all of these things in abundance enough for 200 uh 50 people to
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know send mail out daily weekly monthly okay but it wasn't just going to be given to you they were initiating the process with the very smallest things of you got to earn it. you got to put in the sweat. you got to put in the blood. you got to put in the tears. There's no free lunch. Wow. So you mean not only do you want me to write home to communicate with my family, to tell them how I'm doing, how I'm safe, and everything that's going on with me, keep them up to date, but you're going to make me earn the tools that I need to, to write them. Forget about phone calls. That's not even on the horizon yet. Just old-fashioned writing. Okay? The old pony express. Pony express, and you got to earn all the tools that you need to write the letter. Now, some say, "Oh, well, that's like that's like prison." No, no, it's not like prison. The goal was to establish from the get-go, and the way you do that is you don't start with the big things, because there, there's there's a hidden message in there, a double message. One. There is no free lunch, so in order to do everything that you're going to do here in this treatment program, you're going to earn earn it. Right. The hidden message, which became a larger message later on in treatment, was going to be everything that you accomplish. The larger things, like the larger recovery, the larger sustained recovery, is going to require the same thing. No free lunch. That same mindset. But we're going to get the ball rolling with the real small thing. So can I have a pen? Can I have a piece of paper? Can I have an envelope? Can I have a stamp? Did you participate in the morning meeting? No, I didn't. I just wasn't feeling it this morning. <laughs> did you drop <laughs> slips to participate in the encounter group? Did you, you, know, was your room tight? Did you get any, you know, did you get any points off on your room? Your bed, was your bed tight? Were we able to bounce quarters off your bed? Remember, I'm talking 25 years ago, folks. Official hospital corners, GI. Ex- exa- Standardized, yes. official New York State hospital corners. New York State hospital. New York State hospital corners. <laughs> All right. The, the perfect angle. A 45-degree angle. Perfect tightness. Alfonso Della Barrera, senior counselor, the late Alfonso Della Barrera, will flip the coin up on the bed. The quarter, flip the quarter on the bed, and you only hope that it bounced. Because if the quarter just landed and flopped, (laughs) you're making that bet again. And he's and not only are you making the bet again, he's yanking the sheets.
4: Oh, the fitted sheet, everything. yeah. Yeah.
3: Excuse me. Fitted sheets. Oh yeah. We didn't have fitted sheets. You didn't have fitted sheets? No. I, I think I was lucky you I think I was one of the culprits here in California <laughs> that introduced oh, you out of the, the kindness of my heart, the fitted <laughs> sheets, uh that's a whole another conversation. But, no, we didn't have fitted oh, sheets. Oh, we
4: were having it all pulled from the mattress pad to the fitted sheet to the flat sheet yeah, to the, the blanket is, to the foot blanket.
3: Yeah, the mattress pads, California thing. But, yes, he was pulling all the sheets off. And, and yes, you can imagine the difficulty, if you don't have fitted sheets, with making hospital corners with, you know, all the sheets that are required because right. you've got your bedspread. I mean, your sheet. The bedspread and then the blanket. We weren't allowed to put the blanket at the feet, the foot of the bed. The blanket had to be made on the bed. Oh wow, yeah. So, you know, these are the things that would be asked if you went to the coordinators' office um, or the business office, which at Swan Lake was the business office slash dispatch office, seeking supplies. You know, as a younger member, you don't have supplies. You know, you haven't. You know, your family hasn't sent you stuff yet. You know what I mean, and even if they did, they would be held. You know what I mean. So even if you were fortunate enough where your family was sending you envelopes, writing materials, uh, stamps, and things of that nature, you weren't getting them. Right, right. They were being they were being held, held in the staff in, in your name. They were being held, okay, because even though they were being sent by family, you were still going to have to earn earn these things. And so that's how they started the, the process off with just these small things, and then. These things became that other thing. It's amazing how all these things tie into larger things because you wanted to write home so bad. So you would do the necessary things to get the pen, to get the paper, to get the envelope, to get the stamp, whatever it was. You're required to participate in the morning meeting. You're required to drop slips. You're required to have a tight, tight bed, tight room. You're required to be on point with your job functions and so on and so forth. Not be in the books. Okay, which some might think in a house of 250, or at, Swamp, at Parksville, which I think was 220, I think. You might think that you'd be able to like hide and worm your way around and just you know just stay out of the fray and and, and not be seen. Not not that's not it's it was actually the opposite effect. <laughs> not the case. Not the case. So you couldn't hide and not you know not not be in the books, and. So you had to do your thing to earn those things. And then imagine you earned those things. No free lunch. You did what you had to do. You got the tools you need to write your letter. You got the stamp. You submitted it to be mailed. And your hope was that it would be mailed. Nothing would trip it up. You wouldn't get put in the books for something that might hold it up. You know, I'm sure it was a violation of federal law. <laughs> federal law. Nobody cared back then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to hold
3: to hold your mail yes you know all all of these things didn't apply we laugh now because even though it might have been a violation of federal law i understand and understood then even as a staff trainee what the thinking was behind it as crazy as it may sound it made you realize that wow i got to i got to earn it right i got to earn it and as I said, and there was a bigger message, a larger message to come down the pike. But we started very small. Now, as you've heard in a couple of house meetings that we've aired here on uh, OCG Radio, part of the thing that pisses us off today is the in, the entitlement um, culture or attitude. Um, that has crept its way into it's rampant. Uh, the treatment uh, environment. It's in society. So it's gonna creep into all facets yep. of society. We're not we're not immune to it you know, in the treatment realm. And so one change that I made um and, and this is just I consider this just evolution, okay? We wanted to ensure that people stayed in contact with their families and kept the family ties together and had no excuse. And so one of the things we eliminated as a privilege was writing. You recall there was a time when writing was a privilege. You had to earn your writing privileges. That's right. And we changed that and said it kind of became a mandate, Mm
4: -hmm. you know,
3: that you, you got children, you have family, you must write them yeah and as a matter of fact, unless you had some extenuating circumstances, you can be held to account for not writing and we kind of didn't accept any in any i think there was very little that we would accept as far as if you had children yeah you know yeah I mean? that, yep. we didn't care if you weren't That's getting along truth. with them or they weren't or they weren't getting along with you because of what you what your life turned out to be at this point. we still wanted you to write them but so we took that away as a Privilege and and kind of made it a, I won't say a right, but it was like you need to write your family and stay a yeah, requirements. With your but phone calls are still a privilege. Yep, and uh, and and other things. Out here, at least, well, before we get back, get to California, in in, in in old school day top, um, they used as many things as possible to keep the no free lunch. Mantra in your mind, mhm um, jewelry makeup don't recall it to be honest
4: facial hair unheard of to be honest
3: although i did have although I, I was one of the lucky few that had a quote unquote medical regarding shaving uh, okay, skin irritation um so I was allowed to uh grow some facial hair. Uh, you know, you had to be targeted. I, I, had of, group I, for had, that. I had one of the few exemptions that existed <laughs> in, in Daytop during that era. Um, legitimate, it's, it's a legitimate for me. That's why I argued it and, and, and got it. I, you know, you had to go make your make a case, and I made my case and got the uh, the nurse to. Uh, and it was, by the way, it was, it was no easy. She was no easy shot nurse. I'm talking about a type of nurse. You come into her office. I got a headache. She goes, drink a, drink a glass of water, stop smoking, get the hell out of my office. Just like, well, and and No exaggeration. She has to care either.
4: for how many hundreds of clients. That's blind. her
3: exact language.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I got a headache. Okay. Drink more water. If you smoke, stop smoking, get the hell out of my office. <laughs> it's perfect. That's my okay. kind of nurse right there. I always say, she cured me from ever... Seeking a headache tablet whenever I – I don't let suffer from headaches or get them that often, but if I ever do, I never resort to a headache tablet because she cured me from it. So that was the nurse. But anyway, I think as addicts, the way Daytop took you in, let's say even in the entry unit, they kind of started the ball rolling with no free lunch. Because it was new, you know, coming out of the addictive life, regardless of how you were raised and what you experienced, once you got into your addictive life lifestyle, and especially if you were in there for a long time, all of that stuff was forgotten. One of the things that we try to do is bring it back. And we always say, look, a lot of the stuff you were taught already, but it's, you know, going by the wayside, we're trying to bring it back. So being responsible for taking care of the house. Cleaning the house, keeping your room clean, all of those basics, okay, was you earning your keep, your your role, your participation in keeping the house up from, for every facet of the house, from the kitchen to the dining room to the bedroom to, I mean, everything, driving the vans, you know, the residents drove the vans, making, you know, van trips, the, the residents were the ones responsible for the operation of the house, overseen by the staff. And that's how you earned your keep with whatever your job function was, you get a responsibility to the house vis-a-vis your job function, right? Yeah. And then the responsibility to yourself mm-hmm. vis-a-vis your participation, your keeping your room tight, and things of that nature. So they, they started putting that into your head, into your thought process, belly. into your belly, right off the bat. And for some, it was a shock. Making your bed. You know, that's a basic thing, right? Yeah. But to have to do it every day. Every day. Every at the morning. Same time same before a specific. In a certain way. That's right. Knowing that it was going to be looked at, judged, determined if it was okay, and, you know, you have to do it again. Room had to be clean. No dust. Can you think about that for a second? No dust. It's one of the things that used to piss me off. <laughs> I, I
1: I can't remember how
3: many slips I dropped on the coordinators for this. So no dust. They would, <laughs> yeah. have, they would have you dusting or cleaning the house for an hour and a half. The, the, with 250 people, the house can be cleaned in 30 minutes, tops. Yeah, and I'm just talking about the main house, right? can be cleaned in 30 minutes, tops with 250 people, full house. But they got you going for an hour, hour and a half, dusting. This is where the, the, the term dusting the same light bulb for 20 minutes came from. Because you got to always be moving. If you're not moving, someone's booking you for slipshod not pulling your weight. It's like the district attorney, you, right. you wouldn't get booked for one thing, they would book you for like five things. That's right. Slip-shotting your job, not pulling your weight, disrespecting the house, you know, all they just Not pi- showing your growth, not they, being a role model. They just pile on the charges <laughs> and then decide whatever would stick. In yeah. the end maybe two things would stick, but you might have like seven bookings. Yeah. And you might have to argue away three or four and then, you know, just settle for the, you know, for two.
4: Uh-huh. You
3: know, I means like plea bargaining your case down <laughs> in the coordinator's office. Right.
4: Right. Yeah, that's uh that's how it would go. Yeah, they, they they could turn one into six
3: real quick and that's why I hear so a lot of times when we're doing staff trainings or in staff meetings and we're talking about client behavior and an example comes up of what a client did and I can rattle off like five things a client can be booked for out of that one behavior. Oh, easily. It's, it's not just the that they didn't uh you know, empty the garbage <laughs> bin in their room. You know what I mean? So that's the one that might be the main booking, the 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 root booking. But I can find four things on top of that: having a bad attitude, disrespecting their roommate. saying? Oh yeah. You know, a lot of things I can add on for the coordinators to confront to to find out where this person is at.
4: (laughs) It reminds me, I used to, um, I used to have to pump the brakes on the adolescents. Mm -hmm. and now mind you these are kids so many of them would act out of spite Mm -hmm. and let me tell you watch one kid who was disrespecting staff or acting out cost the family their movie for the night or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. and he walks over a tissue in the hallway that was against the baseboard that was the same color as the baseboard that was even hard for staff to see and Oh, you're uh you know um accepting uh accepting trash in the hallway not being a good role model for your little brother, um uh disrespecting see. the house, disrespecting the house, um not doing your uh, job functions properly mm-hmm. if they were a house crew member, uh they could turn <laughs> They could turn disrespecting the expediter into disrespecting chain, expediter, uh expediting Dis- team.
3: Disrespecting staff, disrespecting yourself, disrespecting the environment, uh-huh. disrespecting the philosophy of of, of Daytop or O C G. Yeah, we can pile on all, a lot of charges from one single act. Right. With the the ultimate point being we laugh, but the ultimate point being that we're trying to enforce the thinking of our topic right now if let's move into the clinical aspect and we're still staying with 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 data so we're in our encounter groups which which was kind of like the major group um, of, of that time um, there were no gender groups and things of that nature but the real the real deal was the encounter group and It was really self help. You had to really go get your treatment, and if and if you didn't go get it, then that was on you. So, what did it mean? What what does it mean when they said, "Well, you got to go get it"? Well, you got to participate, and you participate. You got to drop slips. You got to. So, dropping slips is like a responsibility for yourself, but then there's a responsibility of participating in the group by. Uh, confronting others, confronting a situation that might be you know, become yeah. known in the group, so on and so forth, holding your peers accountable, other members of the house accountable, the chain of command, accountable things right. of that nature. And there's no free lunch in that. What do we mean by that? What are you talking about? There's no free lunch in that. How do you make that connection? Well, in order to do those things, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You got to be willing to take the incoming fire that's going to come back at you especially if there's a subculture in the house that you're trying to, you know, weed out.
4: Yeah, get out. Mm-hmm. It's going
3: to be incoming against you. There's going to you you might you might become the target. You know, because of what you're confronting and what you're going after, okay? Do you have the fortitude to withstand that and stand up for what's right? Stand up for what should be happening in the house? That wasn't all the case, but see, there's no free lunch. You don't get to stand up for what's right without without people gonna you know coming against you right. for the position that you're taking. And I experienced that. Some of my peers experienced that. You heard in some of our phone calls when Horace and Basil talked about how we as a pair kind of went after the house, went after the chain because we knew they were dirty. We and we made a pact that we were going to go after them. You know, not in a you know evil you know get back at them way but confronting them on what they were doing why they were doing what they were doing and how was that right how are you able to come in front of the family and say one thing but behind closed doors you know in the darkness you're doing something else
5: mm-hmm.
3: and so we said no we're not we're not going to accept that and that's basic we're not going to accept that there was a uh Every now and then there's a post in the online groups, one of the day top groups, that I have to comment at at length on. And last night there was one, someone, and I don't know what era the person was from. I asked, but I, I didn't, haven't received an answer. But they were talking about Swan Lake, and they said that, you know, there was nothing but, Uh, dope fiends and they were just using drugs on the property and the staff were all corrupt and, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, and I, so I posed my response in the form of a question. Swan Lake is a physical facility, physical structure, okay? Yeah, right. So why are you blaming a physical building for what was going on in the house? Secondly, what did you do? Did you try to counter what did you do to try and counteract all that you're talking about that was going on in the house? Did you confront it? Did right. you do everything in your power to go against it? And if the answer is yes, you did everything within your power to go against it and it still continued, then I would say to you then you have nothing to be ashamed of. You did what only you as one person could humanly do, which was What your responsibility is to do everything in your power to weed out the negative, fight the negative, even if you were outnumbered, but you go down fighting. And if you didn't do that, you shouldn't be talking. I'll hopefully see what his response is today. (laughs) But I told him, I said, unfortunately, I cannot let this comment slide because that's also part of no free lunch. There's all I said. There's always going to be negativity. That's
1: true. That's true. In
3: every era, there's always negativity in the house. Now, at different times, the, you know, the negativity might not be as large as in other times. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, I mean, just the luck of the draw. You might be going through the house when there's an overwhelming positive influence, or you might be coming through treatment when there's an overwhelming negative influence. The question is, are you blaming the four walls, or? Did you do everything in your power to try and counteract it? What did you do? So I don't let people get away with blaming the four walls for drugs existing or people acting out irresponsibly or what staff was doing or not doing. No. What were you doing or not doing? Right. Okay. Right. Because you have your role too. You have your role in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Either. You're an innocent bystander who did nothing. And so what's your what's, how, how does no free lunch fit into that? Well, in order to comment on what was going on in the house, it's hopeful that you'll be able to stand up and say, this is what I did to try and counteract that. This is the investment that I put in. This this was my no-free lunch, which then gives me the cachet to talk about it. Right. So he didn't add in his comments what he did, so I had to ask, well, what did you do about all these bad things that you're talking about that happened at Swan Lake? What did you do? You just don't get to say and point out all the bad things. Right. You know what I mean? If right, if, right. if you if you were a client, no. I want to know what, what what did you do about it? Of course. So Yeah. Or, yeah,
4: did you there's not n-
3: There's no free lunch, not even commenting on uh <laughs> Not,
4: <laughs> a, not on even online leaving group. a comment on a page. Yeah. No, no, no. There's
3: <laughs> no free lunch, man. You got to be able to back that up with uh some accountability.
4: Well, and you know what? And I'm going to tell you that that message sent was to me so powerful because the bigger picture, which is kind of obvious to see, is that the general message behind No Free Lunch, in many instances, was you are not grateful for nor appreciative of the things that you had before you came here that you took for granted. Mm -hmm. The access to a pen or a paper or an envelope or a telephone or the ability to sleep in a little bit if you want to sleep in on a certain day or stay up a little late if you wanted to stay up Mm -hmm. a little late. Um, And and so all of these things that when you're looking at them standing alone might seem ridiculous Mm -hmm. to an outsider Mm -hmm. or whatever, that when you take a look at the broader message that's being delivered with the accumulation of all these little things that make up the bigger picture, Mm It serves a very, very, very important purpose, Mm -hmm. because when you are using, when you are lying, when you are being deceitful to your friends and your family, uh, you're stealing, you can't be relied upon, you are essentially taking the things in your life for granted, Mm -hmm. and when a kind of you know the old saying or cliche distance makes the heart grow fonder mm-hmm. when these things are removed from you down to even and I guess you were saying you don't know about in New York. I know out here if you were a woman coming into treatment, they would send you to the restroom upon your before your welcome panel during the interview, wash your makeup off, mm-hmm. give us your jewelry mm-hmm. if you were a guy, the thing out here sagging your pants. Mm-hmm pull your pants up, mm-hmm. you take out
3: your jewelry,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and... Well, that w- sagging wasn't around in our era, but
1: go Right, ahead.
4: yeah, that's why I made sure to say out yes. here. It was a different time. But all the things, in a sense, kind of made you feel like who you were, that image that you came in mm-hmm. with, and these things that you really did take for granted, mm-hmm. and you weren't grateful for the little things, all of a sudden you're waking up day three or day four kind of stripped of everything stripped of and having to ask, even if you were going to be told, sure, yeah, you can do that, having to ask for permission for everything, it, even in terms of if we're in a group and I have to use the restroom and, and needing to to account for everything. Why do you feel you should be able to do this? Why do you feel you're deserving to do this? And I'm talking about permissions for everything okay. really gave you that sense of, wow. like I had it pretty darn good and was just wasting it Mm -hmm. when I was out there and this is like a slap in the face. This is like welcome to reality which is great because that in a a sense at least with the adults that we treat, that is the way the real world is. Mm -hmm. There are no free handouts. No one's going to give you anything. At least with the adolescents there was a little bit of they still had a roof provided for them from yeah. whoever their caretaker was because until you're 18 someone is responsible for doing that right um but that being the general message both to to the adolescents who are one day going to be adults and to the adults that is like you need to be able to earn it and appreciate the things you have because it's very easy for you to lose those things
3: yeah and i let me just correct what i said before um there, there. When I say there was, was no makeup and jewelry, that means that you were stripped of those things. You had those were privileges that you had to earn back. And and if I re- recollect correctly, um, it was few and far between. I don't remember too many people wearing jewelry and 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 any of the women wearing makeup um, that often. To be honest, they, you, I think you had to really be like an older member, eight nine months and up. That, and that was the know. case. And that was the case. Going out on requests, going out on pass, things of that nature. But other than that, I didn't see it.
4: That was the case. It wasn't like a, It got the line got pushed back or the the timeline got pushed back mm-hmm. later on um, to where I believe it, it almost ended at 30 days, I think. But initially, that was the case. You had to be a phase four before you earned your jewelry and makeup back.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And... Phase four at that time that was the last inpatient phase.
1: Yeah. Before
4: you were going to leave. Right. And so, yeah, essentially you didn't have it for your entire treatment. Mm-hmm. This is like, like you said, maybe you're on going beyond requests. You're probably going on job search, or you're about yeah. to go out there and get back. Okay, now you can wear your makeup and jewelry. Right. And as as uh, fate would have it, these women who. Or or girls who absolutely did not want to give up the makeup or jewelry, guys as well. Mm -hmm. When they got to that phase four, uh, hardly any, if there were, went back to using it the way they used it coming in. Yeah,
3: the level that they were. Uh No free lunch. Ultimately, in the pursuit of recovery you got to make an investment. We've talked a little bit about the small things in that process, as small as a pen. But then you move along in time and it gets to, you know, big things like the the real down and dirty things that play a large role ultimately in how your life ended up where it was. Mm Mm-hmm. And your willingness to talk about those things, expose those things, put them out to the universe, purge them from your system. These are all trade-offs that you have to make. Why do I use the term trade-off? Well, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to share dark secrets. Not everybody wants to expose traumatic experiences in their life. Not everybody wants to put things out there that played a role in, in their, in their, you know, choices that they've made, which caused them to end up where they are. Mm-hmm. But the trade-off is required for the ultimate goal to be achieved. And that's where the struggle is. Um, and, you know, in, and being asked one time by a resident, you know, what is, you know, what's the hardest part of your, of your job as a counselor? And I responded by saying, it is trying to convince another human being that they can get through life without using drugs, Mm -hmm. you know, convince them in their mind that they don't need it. You can do this without that. And it requires a lot of, this is why, you know, it was very easy, you know, (laughs) in the staff training program, this is why you start out with 20, end up with three because your, your motives have to be true and correct, and you have to really want to help people because it's going to require a lot of energy to do that, a lot of energy to enforce, cajole, uh, impart, advise, suggest that, look, you got to pay the piper in some way, shape, or form. And in right. some ways, paying the piper is just about what you're talking about, what you're sharing, what your experience was. In some ways, paying the piper is suffering through withdrawal. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. If you
3: were a heroin addict, you know, that's paying the piper. It is, yeah. You know what I mean? So in some way, shape, or form, there, there's there's going to be, it's not going to, there's no free lunch. You're going to pay in some way, shape, or form. But there's an ultimate, there's a reason why you're doing it. You're not just doing it out of just, Share exercise. There's something you're trying to ac- accomplish, and in the larger picture, which I wrote about in the in the show description, I said, you know, this particular unwritten philosophy, which, by the way, lest I forget, wasn't one of the originals that was posted on the wall, and I'm just talking to Swan Lake. I don't know about Parksville. Okay, wasn't one of the originals. It was. It was. It was added while I was there. When I got there, it wasn't on the wall. But it was an unwritten philosophy. It just wasn't on the wall. Mm -hmm. Okay, at some point it was added. Excuse me. But the term was used often. Okay. So, I wrote this unwritten philosophy of life is a must. In capitals, in order for one to fulfill what they may need. What they may want, or what others may deem they need in order for them to move forward. So it's mm-hmm. not just what you think. You're right. It's what other people may say, you know what, this is what you may have to do in order to move forward. So, <clears throat> through the eyes and hearts of others. others exactly. So I also wrote that sustained recovery doesn't exist without it, because at every stage of the process is going to require something from you. It's going to be, you know, it's like you putting a coin in the in the coin box to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. At every stage of the process is going to be a, to- a toll, so to speak. Right, you got to pay the toll. Right. Um, and what? And someone may say, "Well, what, what do you mean by that?" You know, I, th- I thought, you know, once I graduate. And I'm out there living my life, I'm doing my thing, I got my family and so on and so forth. I'm done. I finished paying all my tolls, paid my parking tickets, got no more moving violations. No, it doesn't work that way. No. Uh getting off drugs and being drug free was just a necessary aspect of you to live your life properly. Now comes living your life. Yeah. Just living. Yeah. Like, people who haven't, you know, ex- experienced addiction would look at you and say, like, oh, you know, what are you patting yourself on the back for? You shouldn't have, I mean, you shouldn't have been involved in that in the first place. So all you're doing is what normal people would be doing, is just living your life. All right, so you're living your life. And you think there's not going to be any more. Then life hits you in the face, <laughs> smacks you around, hard, kicks you in the rear gut shots some crosses to the cheek and you realize that wow there's continues to be this process of no free lunch i have to continually invest continually pay the toll yep just in life and that's whatever your life is and whatever it may consist of there's always going to be a toll I don't mean toll in like it's gonna take a toll on you, but there's always gonna be something, something to, to pay. pay something to put in, in the in the in the uh in the offering plate. <laughs> Apologies to all the pastors. <laughs> I'm sure they don't mind. No, absolutely <laughs> not. You putting stuff in the offering plate. So was very creative the way uh the programs started the process of you know, planting the seed in your mind of how no free lunch was going to be a part of your everyday existence moving forward. Okay? Even if you weren't uh directly aware of it or consciously aware of it, if we said, okay, let's let's now take a conscious look back at certain times of your life when certain things were going on and, you know, certain experience you were going through certain experiences. Can make a uh, connection as to how you experience the process of, okay, this is a no-free-lunch experience. I have to somehow make a payment here in order to continue moving forward. And that payment is reflected in various ways, whether it's Giving up something you've been holding on to, a traumatic experience Mm -hmm. that continues to resurface itself, continues to come back around. You think you've put it behind you. You think you've put it in the suitcase, locked it up, put it in the corner, but it keeps rearing its head, keeps being triggered, etc. And until you you decide, you know, I'm just going to face you, you trauma thing, you. You bad experience thing, you. I'm just going to finally face you head on and eventually plow through it. And finally, truthfully, really, deeply, belly, put it in the rearview mirror. Yeah. And until that happens, it's going to continue to come back. We know that. So that's an example of, uh, of no free lunch in many different ways. Raising, if you know, if you have children, there's no free lunch. They're going to put you through trials and tribulations. How are you going to deal with it? Start drinking? Start using? <laughs> Can't do that one, right? So, there's no free lunch with them. So it's almost like, well, what are you guys saying? Here on OCG Radio, are you guys saying that everything, every aspect of my life is going to involve no free lunch? I think so. If you if you really go into some deep thought about it, you can find that that is the case. Agree or disagree?
4: Oh, no, I have to completely agree. Damn it, I wish you uh, would disagree. No, I have to completely agree as long as what we specified at the beginning is kept in mind when you're thinking about this, that Sometimes it does mean literally. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can directly uh, translate that statement into something that's going to happen in your real life. And then there are the kind of theoretically and metaphorically that that is applicable in some way from the obvious to the not so obvious. Mm -hmm. Like you said, in potentially looking in the mirror and taking a deep breath and realizing it's time to fight those demons. Um, It's going to hurt it's it's going to be scary. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through a roller coaster of emotions. That is the ticket. That is you got to pay. Mm-hmm. You, and and that's the price you're going to pay for what that outcome is going to be. So you mean that
3: in order for me, so if if I ch- if I say to you today that I'm going to I'm going to talk about th- this traumatic experience I had in my life. And what's going to happen is it's going to bring up a whole bunch of feelings, and possibly overwhelming feelings that I've been burying and stuffing and avoiding and and juking, you know, you know, to, yeah. to get around and live my life without facing them. So you're saying that all that what's going to happen is that those feelings are going to come to the surface. Yeah, I'm going to let them come to the surface, and I have to find a way, with help or without help, depending on what it is. To face it, res- accept it, resolve it—you know, whatever applies—and mm-hmm. um, that's my, you know, paying the toll. That's my ex- exercising the no free lunch concept. Is that what you're saying?
4: That is exactly what I'm saying. Okay. And by the way, in just a little, <laughs> a little nugget, uh, a little story, if you will, briefly sure. about how I was got, and we can. We can actually, this is the one time I circumvented the no free lunch mm-hmm. over in your parts. I think you recalled the highway because I couldn't, but I told you what my experience was. Uh, I believe we were driving, oh man, I want to say from, where is it that you have a niece that goes to school in upstate New York? I remember, oh, Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh. Pla- yeah, okay. Had, had a niece. She's out of school. Out of school yeah, now. Yeah. So we were driving from somewhere, I believe, south of Plattsburgh up to Plattsburgh. And
3: there are just
4: these, no matter what exit you take, almost, there's
3: these little toll booths. Yeah, we get you. We, we, okay. We, we get you every five miles.
4: Yeah, about it, right? And I'm like, this is odd because I'm not crossing any kind of bridge, yeah. I don't think. But, um,
3: They're called toll roads.
4: Okay, so I pull off and I'm, I'm in a car with... uh. With the Hillsborough Hobo, as we've so affectionately
3: coined. By the way, since I haven't paid them in years, back in the day it used to be a nickel, a dime, a quarter. What was it when you went through? I want to say it was two bucks. Wow. Okay, go ahead.
4: Yep. And so all of us being from California, we're not seeing any water. We have no idea what this is. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of slowly approaching it, five miles an hour. I don't know, maybe they just keep...
3: Track of car
4: East, flow in this area. East
3: Coast politicians are slick. They know how to get money from you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We got you. So,
4: so I slowly passed the booth, and then I noticed a guy in there. So I put the car in reverse, and I rolled down my window, and um, I noticed a flash. So I think something was snapping the plate. Yes. This is a plate of a rental, by the way. Yeah. So we asked the guy in the booth, man, I don't know. This is new to me. Do I have to pay you? I think I just saw a flash. He was like, Well, yeah, normally you could pay a couple bucks, but if they already flashed you, don't worry. You know, go ahead and go on through. I'm not going to charge you now. I'm sure they'll send you something. Mm-hmm. So, okay, thank you. Put it in drive. Flashed again because I had <laughs> reversed through it. So, double pay. Go double ahead. pay. So, anyway, when the vacation's over and I'm returning the rental, I tell the guy at the counter, hey, in this area of New York or whatever, there were these, and he knew what it was, and I said it was flashed twice, so, you know, it's obviously connected to the plates, so the bill is going to come to you guys. I said, I'd like to pay you whatever it is I owe because I don't want this to become a huge problem. We live back in California. Mm -hmm. He said, no problem. He said, Um, if just give me your you know name and info or whatever, we'll keep it with this license plate, and mm-hmm. if something like that comes in, we'll call you, and you should just be able to pay over the phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. I called, I checked in maybe twice a month after, and maybe three months after, and the guy after three months said we haven't received anything, so you're you're free and clear. So somehow circumvented. Um, uh... you're,
3: ne- you're never free and clear in New York, but go ahead.
4: <laughs> and so and so that's it. So I never had I never had to pay, but. Who knows? There may be a ticket out there with my name on it, and I go back to New York, and they'll ask me to step outside the vehicle.
3: Number one, that will happen <laughs> because it's on the record. Number two, what they're doing is they're just slowly letting the interest and fees and surcharges build up to a point where it makes it worth their while to you know, go after you. So the $2 toll will become the $250 toll, <laughs> you know, plus including surcharges, fees, and uh, late fees. Oh, and-
4: man, the whole... Uh, They'll throw the book at me again. They'll yeah, turn that, one into seven. There you go. So they, you know, that's, I mean,
3: New York politicians. I mean, not just New York, but you know, East Coast politicians. They're slick. I'm telling you. So, no, no free lunch. You can't. You can't use the roads, uh, you know, upstate New York or along the Pennsylvania highway, the New York State Thruway. You know, we're going to get you every five miles. You know, a quarter back in the day. Now, two dollars. My goodness. Two dollars two bucks I, I guess that's equal to when I first came out here the toll over the San Mateo bridge was a dollar and it's now 5 mm-hmm. it is 5 right yeah okay so and i keep asking the question like wait a second this bridge was built when oh yeah that long ago it hasn't been paid for yet
4: uh it's never been fully paid for because there's maintenance and upkeep and everything else that has to happen even if once it's f- the full the full financed amount has yeah, been paid off. Right.
3: And I know we're sliding off topic here, but how many cars pass through here every day? 500,000. Okay, multiply that times oh, 5 times Oh, believe me. Five I times have 365 <laughs> and you telling me that's that's not enough for maintenance and upkeep? So you need another dollar? And yes. you and the bridge is already paid for. It. Yes. All, All right. You. Let's not uh don't <laughs> get me started. Don't get me started on those subjects. So No free lunch. Um, No matter what we're doing, no matter what topic we're on in the facility, talking about treatment, that's always there. That's number six of the Elite Eight of the Unwritten Philosophies. Um, Thank the uh, co-host for coming up with that name, the Elite Eight. Um, Let me just look real quick. We did the core four honesty, act as if, trust in your environment, and responsible love and concern. That's what we chose as the core four, and then we said we were going to do four more, and we just called the whole group the Elite Eight. So number five was you can't keep it unless you give it away. We did that uh, a show or two ago. Um, Today we did no free lunch, and then we're going to... do two more to complete the uh elite 8.
4: We going sweet 16 after?
3: No, I don't think we're going to go sweet 16. <laughs> I don't think so. Although the elite um, 8 is good. I I you know the list of philosoph- unwritten philosophies I have, you know, are some that have never been posted but that were probably around way back when, but um they weren't publicly put on the wall. I think as time went on, they pared away ads, like for example The Monsignor added, you know, this was maybe in the late nineties, if I can recall, I think. Restitution. Yeah. Okay. Uh I was so happy when he added that. Why was I so happy? Well, obviously, back east and out here, the majority of our clientele was coming in from the criminal justice system. Right. Okay. And not only did they have actual excuse me, restitution to pay, right? But there was always restitution to the family, restitution to the community, restitution to society, okay, and the various ways that you make that restitution. And out here, the way we kind of, for lack of a better term, enforced it was as a part of the the process of uh, progressing through treatment, we had volunteerism as one of the requirements, so, you know, you had to go volu- – did you ever volunteer at the uh, senior yeah. facility down the block? From not,
4: at, not at the senior facility, but there was um, – the, they would find people who just at, needed at, volunteer work.
3: At Wedgeman's Nursery? The
4: In the community, yeah. no. I volunteered some at the YMCA.
3: Okay, YMCA, right around the corner. And then
4: there was a homeowner, an elderly woman, who just needed help, and maybe she put it online. I don't know how he found out mm-hmm. about this, who lived in the community
3: – so we made people volunteer right. to, give, to, a give, bunch to give back to the community that you took from in negative ways.
4: Right. She needed yeah. a bunch of stuff dug in her backyard, and it took me and a couple of the guys hours. Yeah. But, yeah, we volunteered.
3: Right. So that I was very happy when he added restitution because I think it needed to be pronounced as an unwritten philosophy right. for clients to see on the wall that, that yeah, that's part of the process, restitution in whatever fashion, not just in the money you may owe to the criminal justice system, i.e. for the crime you committed, but restitution in other ways.
4: Yeah, maybe I'll ask you one real quick, uh, tapping to your knowledge here, one that I believe I saw on the wall, whoo-wee, maybe like 15 years ago, uh, but haven't seen it since. United we stand, divided we fall. Did uh, that ever make the official list, or was that
3: cut at some point? Or um, I never heard of that one. Okay, I never heard of that one. Well, that answers that. Um, I tell you what I did hear. I mean, it was never on the wall, but I, what I did hear and have used ever since was uh, uh, "all for one and one for all, but every man for himself."
1: <laughs> and, all right,
3: and 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 the, the person, the staff person, I think it was. Uh, His name will come to me. I see his face. He was fired, by the way, in front of the family, as a matter of fact. But I was only a two-month member when it happened. But the point he was making was we're a family. Right. Okay. In theory, we're a family. So we're going to rise up and fall as a family. Right. But ultimately, ultimately, you walked in our doors by yourself. Mm -hmm. You're going to theoretically walk out our doors. By yourself, even though you might take a friend or two with you, hopefully, you know, in theory, but you're going to walk out, you're going to walk, you know, standing up, upright, shoulders back. You're going to walk out via the way you crawled in or sometimes I told clients you slithered in under the door and you're going to walk (laughs) out of this program. Yeah. But no, I never heard that one. All right. You know, some people made some stuff up. Yeah, that happens. uh, Catchy nonetheless. Yes. Yes. All right, sir. We're at the top of the hour. Uh, right on time for our top-of-the-hour music break. Why don't we do that and uh, then come back for our recovery sport time?
4: We will certainly do that. We do see that we have a number of callers on hold, those who have been listening and those who plan to speak to the host. We appreciate all the participation. As for those callers ho- uh, holding to speak to the host, we will get to you on the other side. There's no free lunch. You know, ho- holding and waiting and Whole time. listening. You're paying part your of, ticket. You pay,
3: there you go. Paying that's, the toll.
4: <laughs> that's it. We'll catch you guys on the other side. No free lunch.
2: radio's recovery support time where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery related questions and issues recovery support time where it's our time to help you
3: Okay, welcome back to Roachum Recovery. This is now we're in recovery support time, but we're going to hit some of our X Files first. We're, we're now just getting to, I think the date on this one is uh, is June, so we're we're catching up, folks. We're catching up. So this is from Raul from San Jose, California. Why do relationships become dysfunctional once people start using drugs? Because the focus becomes the drugs and not the relationship. The relationship becomes with the drugs and not with the person that you're supposed to be in a relationship with, the other human being. So the two are incompatible. You can't be a drug user, a drug addict, and have a healthy, successful relationship because you're always going to be so which one is it going to be? Is it going to be you're cheating on the drugs with the person you're with or cheating on the person you're with with the drugs? It's one or the other because the two aren't are aren't going to exist healthily at the same time, obviously. So that's why their relationship becomes dysfunctional when people are using drugs, Raul. And even when people stop doesn't mean automatically the relationship will become functional or healthy. That's going to take work. Even when drugs aren't involved, relationships take work. No free lunch. Got to earn it. Clark from Missoula, Montana, where the producer tells me it's right now 29 degrees.
4: 29 degrees, 3 mile an hour wind, 65% humidity.
3: And my understanding is that you only see a couple of foxes and bisons out there.
4: Couple foxes, bisons, and some local state school football stadium.
3: All right. What is a good way to feel good naturally in the recovery process?
4: In the recovery process,
3: huh? So, the way we learn to feel good about ourselves build our self-esteem, our self-confidence, and get those, uh, what do they call endorphins? Endorphins, yeah. Right? Uh, You know, duplicating and just rushing. Multiplying multiplying and moving. That's the way I was looking for Multiplying and moving about. Yep. Uh, Is, you know, setting some goals for yourself, accomplishing them, and you'll be surprised at the natural high you feel when you accomplish a goal that you have set we start small, small goals. We do that in the treatment environment, small goals. I want to earn this privilege. I want to earn, I want to become, I want to you know, get to this level on the chain of command. I want to become this, you know, within the house. Little incentives. Yeah, right. And when you accomplish it, you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're slowly building your self-esteem. And and the same thing can apply, Doesn't have you know, not only in the treatment environment, but outside. And it's a never-ending process, by the way. You don't stop setting goals. You're always setting goals for yourself, daily goals, uh, short-term goals, medium-term goals, long-term goals. It keeps you motivated, keeps keeps you pushing for something, regardless of what it is, as long as it's positive and constructive. That's right. So let's see who's next. Dylan from Richmond, California, would you have any good advice for impulse control? I'm going to have to go to mom on this one. Let's hear it. Mom always said just count to 10 before you uh, react or respond. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And I guarantee you whatever was ready to come out your mouth, whatever you were ready to do, you would have had time to allow the brain to kick in and for you to listen to your brain. See, the brain – see, people are sometimes under the misconception, clients will always say, oh, I didn't think. I said, that's not humanly possible. You always think, but the split second, you disregard it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Very true. The brain
3: the brain comes into play. Says, oh, that's not right. That's wrong. you disregard it, and then you do something different. I said – Think about in the animal kingdom, they don't have the luxury of never thinking. See, if a frog is sitting out there on the pond, minding its whole business, <laughs> out on a lily pad, and if it was not aware all the time of what's going on around it, it would get eaten. Period. Okay. So it could never not be thinking. And so, us humans, we always say, oh, I didn't, I wasn't thinking. Well, it's not that you weren't thinking. You thought and you disregarded it, but it just happened in a split second. Now, that's different from not knowing. You know, ignorance is very different. Okay. But count to ten, and that allows the the, the thinking process to take hold, mm-hmm. gives you an opportunity to pay attention to it, and then maybe respond and react differently. Mm-hmm. Agree. That's the only advice I can give. I came from my mom, and uh, I'm sticking with it. Unless you got something different,
4: uh, I'm not going up against that advice. Absolutely not. And I it, think that time-tested, time-tested, <laughs> true. Uh, and you just do sometimes need that brief moment to stop yourself from hastily acting. Mm-hmm. Even if you end up making the decision you were going to make anyway, mm-hmm. give yourself a chance to slow down a little bit. Uh, And I think that's all that that does, just slow you down just enough.
3: All right. One more before we go to the phones. Thomas from Pacifica. Do you have any advice at overcoming negative self-talk? So obviously for addicts, we're our own worst enemy. All the time. Destructive in our thinking, destructive in in our thought process, destructive in, you know, we're just negative, 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 negative. Doom and gloom. The only way to overcome that is to slowly, painstakingly force yourself to look at, well, first, if you're in the treatment environment, it would be a partial responsibility for me as a staff person to help that process Mm -hmm. by pointing out positive improvement, positive accomplishments, positive things about you. OK,
1: mm-hmm. because
3: we're not used to looking at them, seeing them, experiencing them, noticing them because we have just been so down in the dumps for so many years. So that's part of my responsibility. You then have to take that that ball and slowly run with it. Right. Get used to recognizing when you are making improvement, when there is change, when there is something positive. Because I'm not going to be out there holding your hand right constantly being your uh you know that that thing on your shoulder constantly you know being the positive you have the you good know, angel the good angel positive positive reinforcement all the time you have to take that up and it requires effort exercise practice to change that instinct around right okay right all right let's go to mike who's been holding a long time mike welcome to the show
6: Hi, how are you doing? Good. Okay, so uh, my question is first, um, a little bit of background, is I am in a uh, treatment facility, um, and last night in um, a group, it was let out that somebody was a sexual offender. Um, I myself have, um, am a victim of uh, sexual molestation, and I have a daughter that is, also victim of that so there brought up a lot of feelings for me um surrounding that now i hear part of the uh one of the unwritten philosophies that are talked about is uh forgiveness and it's uh really difficult for me to even want to be around the person uh to um talk to him or anything and so my question is is what kind of process do i go through to being able to forgive that and and move on with um my treatment
3: are you- have you or are you addressing the um the personal experiences that you've had
6: um, a little bit not too much no
3: okay once you start to engage in addressing your own personal experience and come to the come to a resolution with that okay you will be unable to for lack of a better word tolerate the knowing of someone else who in in you know in their experience Played a role in their life in something that you also experienced, but on the receiving end. So they were a perpetrator, and you were on the receiving end of the same something that they did—not to you personally, but to someone else. And you're, you're not going to be able to, quote unquote, forgive that person because you still have to address your own personal issue and work through the forgiveness process with. Your issue. Okay. And once you accomplish that, and there's no time limit on that because that's a traumatic experience, okay? So we want the ball to get rolling. Our topic today was no free lunch, by the way. And this is a perfect example of where no free lunch is applied, meaning, well, In order to get that ball rolling, in order to start that process, in order for me to get into this experience that I had that has caused me so much pain and so much hurt, so much trauma, you know, what am I going to have to do? Well, you're going to have to revisit that pain, revisit that hurt, revisit that trauma. When you're ready, when you're ready but I want you to know that that's going to be a part of the process. And that's going to be the the door you're going to have to go through in order to get to the other side, which I know is your ultimate goal. You want to get to the other side where that experience will no longer impact my life negatively.
1: Yes, and that's when you,
3: correct. Right. And when you get there and you encounter someone that has been a perpetrator, okay? Your response would be different. Okay. Right now that is not that is not where you're at. There is no expectation for you to be there. It's all about you and just about your experience and how am I going to deal with mine and you know get that ball rolling. You follow me on that?
6: Yeah, so what I hear you saying is pretty much is um to pretty much take the awareness off the individual that I'm in in my environment right here and focus more on what's going on with me inside and the trauma that surrounds that.
3: Yeah. Look at that person as just a trigger to that trauma. Okay. Brings back the memories, brings back the experience so on and so forth. But don't project it onto them. Okay. It just, that person and that person making it known, you know, whatever that they made known, just rams home to you that, wow, I have my own personal stuff in that area that I got to deal with from the victim side. Okay. And once you deal with that and get to a, a what I would call a good space, a good place with that, then you can better encounter people who, you know, are coming, for lack of a better expression, coming out of the closet as perpetrators and trying to, you know, rebuild their
6: lives. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I hope that helps. It, it makes sense to me. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's,
3: you're very welcome. So the one good thing that I like about that call is the example of you never know what what will happen, what will come up in the group environment, All right. When someone is sharing, and what that may trigger in you, in other people. Mhm. And the only thing, and we spoke about this before, that you hope for is that the environment is safe enough emotionally that people can talk about the good the bad and the ugly okay and uh resolve it if even if you were the perpetrator of bad things or the victim of bad things right okay let's go to the next call we have Susie from crescent city hi welcome to the show
0: hi thank you for taking my call Um, I had a quick question. Um, I've been in treatment for about 10 months. I've been sober for about seven. And I've never really had anger issues or anything like that before. But the last couple of months I've noticed myself kind of um, acting out and um, snapping at people and having more difficulty kind of um, staying calm. Any suggestions or um, reasons why that might be the case?
3: Have have you uh introspected on that a little bit yourself as to uh, what, what, what may be going on?
0: Yeah, I don't I mean a lot of things are changing and I'm looking to move on to my next chapter, but it's also it's just it's like I'm acting like a little kid again.
3: All right, okay, stop right there. I think we hit something. <laughs> What's that song? Stop right there. So when you said that you're 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 getting ready to move on to the next chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Does that involve you uh transitioning out of where you are?
0: Eventually, yes.
3: Okay. Well it's not unusual for people who are nearing that period, that I mean that uh you know, that time, that uh they start to act uh, you know, funny or experience mm-hmm. things differently than they they were three months ago. Hello? You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's why I asked, before I answer. that's why I wanted to ask, I asked you, you know, if you had thought about it yourself. Um, but I want you to think further about am I experiencing the environment and are things getting on my nerves and am I being short, you know, with people and are people just, you know, upsetting me? more now because I'm seeing the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of me transitioning to my next phase. And it's, that's a little scary thought. Mm -hmm. Or the other side is, and this is perfectly okay. Also I'm nearing the end of my experience. I'm getting ready to transition in a little while and uh, I'm about sick and tired of being there.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> Probably fifty-fifty. So 50. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know that's real too. That happens. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then what that puts in front of you is an opportunity to practice my self-discipline, my self-control, being aware of why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. What's you know what what in the environment is triggering me. And mm-hmm. practicing controlling that, you know, controlling your response, your reaction to it. It's good. It's great okay. practice. Okay. But you got to be aware. You got to be aware. To be aware is to be alive. One of the unwritten philosophies. You got to be aware first of why am I reacting this way? What, what's, what's triggering me here? Okay. Okay?
0: Okay. That's perfect. All right. Thank you so much.
3: You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know when time gets near the clock is spinning around to the to the to the hour. Yes. And uh you know out here different from back in the day in, in day top, you did you didn't know when you were going down to reentry. They would just tell you the day before, you know, tap you on the shoulder and stop, you're going down on the next trip. And it wasn't like you knew a month in advance or sure. two months in advance, whereas out in, where we do treatment is you kind of know what you know. What your target target date. zone is you know what I mean, and as it gets closer, it gets more narrowed, and yeah, this is the day you know what I mean, which uh, can cause some you know issues Here, yeah. you know, and or you know you're just you know you're you're ready and you know you're you know you're still there and you know you're just waiting for the days to go by as you're ready to transition out and you, your patience is short with people. <laughs> You're what's ready what's to go, that? yeah. You know what I mean? So both both are real. Both are real. <clears throat> Alright, let's go to uh Paul, calling from Redwood City. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. How can we help you, sir? Uh
7: my question is why is it so hard not to relapse?
3: Why is it so hard not to relapse?
7: Or to relapse, excuse me. Okay.
3: Why is it so hard? All right. Let me ask. Let, let me see if I can rephrase it for you. Do you mean? Are you saying? Why
1: is it so easy to relapse. Oh, right?
3: there we go. Okay. Why is it so easy to relapse? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it depends on where the person's commitment lies.
1: Okay. You know what I mean? Have mm-hmm. Have
3: they committed to Have they committed to a life of recovery? If, I mean, if they have. And I use the word commitment because commitment is is a very strong word, different from a promise. Promise is a comfort to a fool. But when you make a commitment to something and you break that commitment, whether it's to yourself or to other people, whatever, you feel that very differently. So if you have committed to a life of recovery and doing positive and constructive things, that lifts the burden of worrying about relapsing and all that stuff away from you. Okay. If you haven't committed and you're still, you know, in flux and you're not sure, you're undecided, you know, and you're, you know, you just don't know where you stand. Well, then, yes, that will bring doubt and concern and worry into the picture.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: None, none of right. this is rocket science, by the way.
7: Uh-huh. It doesn't seem like it.
3: Using, especially after a person has experienced treatment for at least 30 days, I like to say, okay, using is a choice. Yes, it is. And so if a person makes that choice, the question is, okay, why did the person make that choice? What's going on? Why they chose to do that? And so if if you are clean now in a treatment environment, in in, in the midst of your recovery process and you're thinking about, you know, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to make it or am I going to relapse? Okay. I would say to you, okay, just the very nature of the question tells me that, okay, I haven't decided yet which side of the fence I'm going to be on. Yeah, true. And when you do decide you will know it you don't have to you wouldn't have to say anything to anyone you'll know it
7: yeah feel it almost even
3: you will feel it yeah okay
7: all right thank you for your help
3: you're very welcome thank you sir
7: all
3: right bye bye as we've mentioned many times that's that what we've defined Lest we be uh attacked by the uh the religions of the world, we've defined it as almost a spiritual experience when someone makes that decision to change their life and put the negative parts of their life behind them, and the burdens then lifted. You're no longer focused on, you know, what's going to happen when I go out there? Am I going to use again? Am I going to, you know, am I, going to, am I going to relapse? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? No. All the energy is now focused on what am I going to do to improve my life? Do I need to go back to school, finish school? Do I need to resume employment? You know, some of the positive, constructive things. How am I going to get my kids back? What are the steps I need to take? Whatever it is. To rebuild the life that becomes your whole focus, rather right. than the energy being wasted on, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if this, if I'm, I'm in this recovery thing for the long haul, you know, that, that weed, you know, smells good, you know, I think about it a lot, you know, and, you know, maybe I can just do one hit of meth a week, or, you know. If I'm an alcoholic, maybe just one drink, you know, on the weekends, you know, one beer, that's the stuff you start thinking about. Negative reservations if you don't talk about it. It's okay, by the way, let's let's be clear. It's okay to have those those thoughts. Oh, of course. Natural. Okay. It's okay. But what we say is talk about it. Bring it out into the open because it tells it says two things. Number one, It's real, and number two, it tells us that you're concerned about it, and that's why you want to talk about it. When you don't say anything, when you don't talk about it, nine and a half times out of ten, you're going to eventually feed into it. Usually that's the case. All right, let me uh, hit another X file real quick. What advice would you give me about, uh, this is Zach from Redwood City, about battling co-occurring mental health issues and addiction? I wouldn't necessarily call it advice. None of us are doctors here. But I would say that if you are aware that you have both, um, that make sure that both are, are treated. Because if you have addiction issues and mental health issues and you only treat your addiction, then the mental health issues are just going to eventually drive you back to the addiction. Or well, if you only treat the mental health and you don't treat the addiction, the addiction is is going to trigger the mental health. Both have to be addressed. It's not the chicken or the egg in this thing. We don't, no one cares which one came first. All we care is that both of them, if they're known, if they're known, and, and based on the question, uh, presumably knows, They both have to be dealt with while you're in the treatment environment and post-treatment environment if necessary. Okay, let's go to Ricardo from East Palo Alto. Welcome to the show.
8: Hi. um, So I'm in recovery right now, and I have a 16-year-old son, and he, he comes and visits, and I think he's using. Is there any way that I can verify that?
3: Have you asked him?
8: No, I haven't. I haven't. I don't know how to, would I go about me asking him, um, because I There's, don't want I don't want him to, you know, just walk away and leave, and him not coming to visit me no more, because he is part of my recovery. But no, anyway, I think
3: that. No, Ricardo. Let me slow you down. Are you, uh, you're his father, right? Yes. Okay. You're going through your recovery process, right?
8: I'm going through my own recovery process, yes.
3: Right. Part of that recovery process is also becoming a father again. Okay? Okay. And yes, I understand, and it's 100% normal that you would be concerned. I don't want to dig, I don't want to, you know, you know, really get to the to the to the nitty-gritty on this because I don't want to push him away and have him not come and see me and strain the relationship, okay? But what does your gut tell you?
8: Well, my gut tells me to you know, confront him about it and ask
3: no, him No, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase the question. What does your gut tell you in regards to whether or not you believe he's using or not?
8: Well, my gut tells me that he is currently using.
3: Then Then you have, as the father, okay, you have the right to ask him that question. And you can ask that question in a loving manner. You could say, son... You know, based on what I've seen since you've been visiting me or, you know, however you want to word that part, okay, I'm concerned, okay? It appears to me that you might be using something, okay? Is that the case? If he gets up, responds in an angry – oh, by the way, how old is he? You said 16? 16. Okay. If he gets up angrily, you know, who are you to accuse me? pushes the chair away and walks out, okay. What does that say to you?
8: That he is that he is using and he doesn't you know wanna confront the fact that I want to tell him that I'm concerned and I want him to stop.
3: I think you hit the nail on the head. I would be more concerned I see if that was the reaction I would rather see that reaction from him, okay? Than him to sit in front of you. Your gut is telling you and you're and you, and you know, you, you, know, you if you've been out there doing your thing, your gut knows what your gut knows. And if your gut is telling you that he's using and you ask him and he sits there calmly, looks you right in your face and says, "No, I'm no dad. I'm not, I'm not using anything." What, what what do you what's what's, what's the problem? Okay? I would be more concerned about that answer than about the angry response.
8: Right. So it kind of goes both ways, hand in hand. So I should be worried.
3: Because if he sat there calmly and said, "And said, to you know, Dad, I'm not. I'm not using anything. What? What? Why? Why would you think that?" And don't let him, don't let that don't let that that that's a very slick flip, by the way. When they say, "Well, why would you think that?" because he he's just flipped it back onto you. Don't let that happen. Don't even respond to that. But if he responds in that way, okay, then and but your gut is still telling you that, okay. The only place you have to go from there is to not dig any further, but let the game be played. There's nothing you can do. Right. But if he gets up angrily and 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 you know and throws the you know pushes the chair and you know and says you know well, what are you what are you accusing me of? Why are you saying blah blah blah? And then you know and walks out madly. You know you hit a nerve. And now he has to explain his reaction.
8: Yeah.
3: Now he might say, well, I, I was I was so hurt. And angry by that, you would think that I would be doing something like that. That still doesn't explain away your gut feeling.
8: Yeah, it is not. That's not going to explain my gut feeling about me.
3: It's exactly. And so, ultimately, this is the ultimate thing. Ultimately, regardless of which way he responds, you have no control over what he's doing. Ultimately. But let's say he responds angrily but comes back, you know what I'm saying, comes back the next week to the visit or or comes back in the room after responding angrily, that gives you an opportunity to continue the conversation. And what the message you're sending him is that I'm not going to be done with this conversation until I'm satisfied, even if I find out the truth is that you are using.
8: Right. Because me as a
1: father, because I'm concerned for him.
3: Exactly, and as a father, even if he's, even if you find out he is, you're not going to run from him. You're not going to, you know, ditch him. You're not going to throw, cast him to the side of the road. You're going to try and give him some truth. You're going to try and give him some knowledge. Well, who are you? Well, look at where I'm at. Yep. I'm the best person in the world to give that truth to you. Exactly. So don't let him flip it.
8: All right. Good stuff. Okay? All right. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Bye bye.
8: Bye bye.
3: Gotta watch those sixteen-year-olds.
8: <laughs> <And laughs> yeah.
3: We we have twenty-something years experience dealing with them in 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 the facility that mm-hmm. we had. So we we know all of the uh, the games. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, it's a learned skill uh, confronting the sixteen-year-old mind. Oh yeah. Huh. So it certainly yeah. is. Especially when your gut is telling you something that's going on, and there's, there's nothing that they're showing you to remove that feeling.
4: Yeah. Oh well, no, exactly. It's um, it's a skill that defies logic. We'll just say that
3: logic cannot play a part in dealing with a sixteen-year-old <laughs> no. mind. No. You got to look at what's being presented, and how ridiculous it looks, sounds, appears. And you got to just deal with that. None of it may make sense, but your mind has to be able to roll with that and not get. As so I was saying, don't don't get, allow yourself to be uh, slickly side swiped right. by their responses. All of a sudden, you find yourself in the position of you're the, you're on the receiving end of confrontation. Right when you opened up the confrontation, all of a sudden they're confronting you. Who are you? Talk to me and ask me that question. Don't let them flip it. Don't lose focus. Exactly. All right, let's go to Ashley from San Mateo. Hi, welcome to the show.
9: Hi, thank you. You're welcome. How are you? Good. Okay, so my question is, um, I'm in a recovery program and um, um for my drug of choice, and um, I don't know if we're allowed to say it, but so I have a lot of pain problems and... Um, <clears throat> I'm also in a wheelchair. Um, I used to have a prescription for opiates, and my daughter's father, um, taught me to do it a different way, which was abuse it. And I started to abuse my medication. How do I go about now that I'm in recovery? How do I go about with my pain issues?
3: And I just want to make sure I heard you collect correctly. Did you say you were in the military.
9: No, no, no. I'm in a wheelchair.
3: Oh, in the wheelchair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um so you were utilizing pain medication for what a legitimate reason
9: yeah
3: and started abusing it mhm um and you're now in recovery and obviously the pain issues don't just disappear right yeah. just because you walk into a recovery program the pain issues don't disappear how can I address my continue to address my pain issues and maintain my recovery at the same time? Is that your question? Yeah. Have I narrowed it down?
9: Yeah.
3: Okay. Here's the reality. Okay. Without knowing all of this, your backstory, mm-hmm. you have to be able to. You have to learn to responsibly use whatever medication is prescribed to you for the purpose that it's prescribed. Mm -hmm. You also have to determine, you and your doctor together, and you must have honest conversation with your doctor, okay? Mm -hmm. It's oftentimes the missing link. Like, people don't have honest conversation with their doctor. You must also determine, with your doctor's help, if I was abusing this, is there an alternative Okay, that could accomplish the same goal. Okay, yeah. it might be another prescribed something. Okay, but it takes me away from that thing that I was abusing and gives me a fresh start. Okay, yeah, with something else that may work.
9: Yeah, that's what they have. I was taking uh, gabapentin and then and now I'm on like a antidepressant slash pain pill and it's giving me like I don't know, a jittery like I'm on one or something. So. I'm trying every other option that I, I, you know, I'm given, so...
3: And and, and I know this isn't the best-case scenario, but it may Mm -hmm. take some different tries. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
3: It may take some different tries. So don't give up, number one. Number two, continue to have the conversation with your doctor until we find the right thing for me at this moment in time. But ultimately... Whatever it is that you're, whatever it is you settle on that works mm-hmm. for you, okay, you mm-hmm. have to go back to the way you were and use it responsibly.
9: Okay. Makes sense. Thank you. That I has to be the goal. Sense. Yeah. And then, um, uh, is, relapse, is, reco- is relapse a part of recovery? Yeah, right?
3: Well, if you want it to be. It's not written yeah. in stone.
9: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I know that, I know
3: that's a, I know that's a saying that's floated around out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, relapse you is think? not written into written into everyone's experience. Yeah,
9: that's
1: true. Okay,
3: relapse is a is a choice, not an mm-hmm. accident, not a mistake. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. So if someone does make that bad decision and and, and chooses to to start using again, okay,
1: mm-hmm.
3: our hope is that they arrest the situation, no pun intended, okay, mm-hmm. stop the relapse, okay, get help mm-hmm. for 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 the relapse, get things corrected, whatever whatever got them back off the correct path, and then so they mm-hmm. can get right back out there and continue with their life. Okay. All right.
9: Yeah, that makes sense. All
3: right, thank you. Thank
9: you. I appreciate it.
3: You're very welcome. Bye bye.
9: All right, bye.
3: It's hard for you know when people have you know legitimate you know things that they take medication for, whether it's pain medication or antidepressants and things of that nature, mm-hmm. right? Psychotropic medication, et cetera. Um, and if you know they've experience the time where they abused it right you know i mean you know from where we work we've got people who've crushed up uh uh cough medicine cough pills and and snorted it and, and just crazy stuff but um you you have to reclaim you know your proper existence Mhm you know what i mean and if you have something that's a, you know is a, like you, you might be permanently disabled and you have you know chronic pain or whatever the case may be and if pain management involving medication is going to be a part of that and is not that's not going to change just because you walk into a treatment program then that means you got to you got to be committed to doing the right thing otherwise we can tell you what your cycle is going to be right how are we on time, sir?
4: You got about three minutes.
3: Boy, you didn't say that with a lot of uh <laughs> confidence and and, yeah. and gusto. Yeah, just about three. Alright, let's go to uh Mike from East Palo Alto. Hi Mike, welcome to the show.
7: Thank you. Uh, I'm currently enrolled in a uh, intense uh drug treatment program and okay. uh I, uh, I've i been learning all the coping skills and the uh, the other things you need to have to not relapse. And my question is, I, well, more is more of a statement. I, uh, every morning I wake up and I want to use, you know, and I find a reason not to. But every morning I get up, the first thing I think about is smoking a rock or... Lighting up some meth or drinking some vodka. It's always something, and it just drives me crazy. Is there any way I can speed up the process of uh, getting rid of those urges?
3: Okay, Mr. Producer, how much time do I have? A minute and a half. Okay. Mike, listen very carefully. This is going to be very raw. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Okay. The answer is no, and the answer is yes. Here's the no part. No, there is no fast, speedy way to get to where you want to go. Okay? Our topic today was no free lunch. This is a part of the paying the toll process. Okay? Uh-huh. When you say, every day I wake up, I think about using. Okay? Then that means your goal must be very singular. Your goal must be I have to get to the root of why I feel every day like wanting to use. What is behind that? Am I trying to escape something? What is it that I'm not trying to face? What is it that I don't want to feel? There is a reason why you think about or you feel like using every single day. And if you don't address that before you leave the program that you are in, you are doomed to relapsing. Very quickly
7: Oh boy So you have to Stick it out then Huh
3: It's not about Sticking it out It's about Using the time While you are there To find out What is the What is the root Cause What is underneath Why I feel like using What am I running from What What am I trying Not to feel What am I trying To escape You gotta dig deep man Yeah you got to get in that belly.
7: Well, I appreciate the uh, information. Okay,
3: but um, put it to use. Put hard. it to use.
7: I will. Thank you very right. much.
3: You're very welcome.
7: Bye.
3: Bye. Well, let me have to find out where he is and go down there. <laughs> oh yes. Well, I, think, I guess we're out of time. Right? Yeah, that's okay. it for
4: you. Sign off. You're not cutting me off today, all right? We're already behind here. So, what do you have to say? Nothing.
3: No, just that. That's as hard as you can drill at home. That you know, and when people wait, you know, when they're in a program or wherever, and they feel they still want to use every day, every day, every day. There's a reason for that. True. And they're they're avoiding it.
4: Very true. I'll just stop there. Very very true. All right, well, once again, we'd like to thank everybody who called in just to listen or who called in to participate. We appreciate the ongoing support, as always. This is a great start to 2016. A lot of callers today and a lot of listeners. We hope that trend continues through the year. We'd like to wish everybody a safe rest of the week and a fun and safe weekend. We will see you all next Tuesday.
2: our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C A. and on Twitter at WorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Some day, you want to turn
1: around and say goodbye. Until then, baby, are you going to let them pull you down and make them cry? Don't you know, don't you know, if you change, things are going away.